Amen. I speak Jesus. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning, church? As I said, I don't know what you've gone through this week. I don't know what what you've been dealing with, but I hope you heard the name Jesus today, that you speak it over your family, over your, your finances, over your health, over the sin and the brokenness in your life, that we speak Jesus. And when we do speak Jesus, here's the great news that we know from this book. Jesus speaks back to us. Do you believe that? Jesus speaks back to us. And what does he say? Well, he says a lot of things in this book. He speaks through his spirit, and he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the family as we're studying the word together. What does he want to say? Well, you know what he's been saying in his letter through John, called 1 John to the church. He has been telling us, church, I love you. I am love. I am God, and I love you. And I want you to love me, and I want you to love one another. It's a good book, isn't it? It's a good little letter that we've been studying. It might get a little redundant, and sometimes when you're reading John, you're going, okay, what's this chapter about? Well, he's going to say, I'm love, I love you, you love me, right? And love one another. And then the next chapter, he's going to say, hey, love one another because I love you and you love me. And then the next chapter, he's going to say, you know what? You need to love me because I love you. It just keeps circling around. Do you get the idea that God wants us to love him? And do you get the idea that God loves you today? And do you get the idea that he wants us to love one another? And that's what we're going to take a look at at 1 John chapter 4 today is how do you know if you love? How do you know if you love? And John's going to repeat some themes, but don't turn your brain off. Well, I've heard that in chapter 3 or chapter 1, because he's continuing to write to really nail this down in our souls. We are to love one another. We are to love the brothers and the sisters. Uh, we get a, church as a, a chance as a church to love a lot of different people. Last week, uh, myself and some of our pastors, we were in Northern Virginia uh, spending time with some uh, Hispanic church planters that are trying to reach the Northern Virginia area, and that was great. Today, we get the chance to uh, host some of our Ethiopian friends, uh, Pastor Workna, and I'd like our team, would you please stand? This is a team from Silver Springs, Maryland that we spent some time with, and can you welcome them? And uh, this team, uh, some of them go to George Mason, and, and they work different places up there. There's a group, uh, a church that's getting started for the Ethiopian community. There's a huge Ethiopian community in Northern Virginia, D.C., and um, Southern Maryland like that. So we need to pray, and thank you so much for being with us. We've had some great fellowship time with us. Isn't it great when you just meet people, and they know Jesus? You know them, don't you? That's how it works. But how do you know? God says, make sure that you love one another. And we're in church. You know I look good, by the way, today. Everybody's looking good. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's treating each other. I haven't been to the parking lot, so I don't know how bad it is. But you look good in here. But how do you know if you really love each other? By the way, how did you know that you really love the one that you were going to marry, right? I had somebody ask that to me this week, a young man. We were sitting over coffee, and he says, how do you know? That you know that you know that that's the girl that uh, you should love. Well, I actually had that experience. Uh, I want to show you a picture. Put this picture up here real quick. This is a picture. It's a grainy picture, okay? It's from the 80s. 
there were stranger things in the 80s, okay? I know, I know, I know, I know. That's actually me in a members-only jacket. Thank you. I am in La Jolla, California. That's La Jolla. It's New Year's Day, 1986. I have a Sony Walkman in my pocket. My jeans are pegged, in case you were wanting to know. On the Sony Walkman, I am playing Michael W. Smith Project number one. And I can tell you exactly what, I know it has a little, you know, flock of seagulls look there. I'll tell you exactly what I'm thinking in that picture. My mom took it from the hotel room and we were there, I was there with my family. And you know what I was thinking right there? I was praying in that picture, I actually was. I was, I had fallen, I, I was dating a girl named Chris May. And I thought I really, really loved her. And I'm sitting there right there trying to decide, do I ask her to marry me or not? That's exactly what I'm thinking in that picture. It's pretty cool. And uh, I was praying, and Lord, how do I really know if I love her? And, and how do I know? And should I move forward with this? Well, God answered the prayer and said, you love her. You need to marry her. God was nice. My friends were a little bit more dramatic. Wilmington. <laughs> You better grab her while you can before she gets some sense in her head and leaves you. She is so far out of your range, buddy. And uh, I wisely did that. And 30 days from that picture, I asked her to marry me. Now, how do you know when you love someone? Well, it's a feeling or it's just, you just know. Well, Jesus is going to talk through John and tell us there is some specific ways to know in the church if you love one another and if you love God. So let's read it. Chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Now, sometimes with John, especially in the English, the prepositions get you, right? And then he just keeps circling and circling and circling like a little plane just trying to land. You're like, John, what are you trying to tell us? 
Well, I summarized it there in your notes, in your app, and I put a lot of scripture in, in uh, the notes today, so you wanna, may want to pull up the Thomas Road app. But he's giving us six lessons about us loving God, God loving us, and us loving one another, and how do we know? So let's learn six lessons today. Number one, if you love the Father, you love the family. If you love the Father, you love the family. Verses 7, 6, uh, 7, 8, 16, and 19. Love each other because God is love. You can't just say, I love God and not love each other. God doesn't let us do that. Now, who's he talking to in the book? As you've seen, uh, Pastor Jonathan has been unfolding this the last few weeks. Here, again in this chapter, he uses the phrase twice, dear friends. He's talking to the family. He uses the phrase brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church family. Church family, we are to love one another. We are to love others who claim the name of Jesus Christ. In this passage, he's not saying love your neighbor or love your enemy. But you're not off the hook, and I'm not either, are we? Because he tells us from Leviticus 18 to Luke 10 and all through the book, we're to love our neighbors, and everybody is our neighbor. He also tells us, Jesus says it, he says we're to even love our enemies. So even if you say, well, they're not a member of Thomas Schroeder, they're not part of our church, you can't say, well, you know, I'm not going to love them. We've got to love each other in here. I was just sitting down in front, just got a text before I turned my phone off, and uh, Julie and Mark Nash are watching us from uh, Guatemala right now, and they're part of our church family. So Julie, uh, pay attention, okay? Uh, But they said, hey, we're joining today, and we're with you. Mark and Julie have been part of our church for many, many years, and they've been Guatemala for many years, but they're still part of us because we love them, and they love us. So four times in this passage, he's going to say, love one another. Eleven times in John's letters, he's going to say, love one another, love one another, love one another. If you don't love, you don't know God. Why do you think God is so interested in us loving each other? Why isn't it enough to just say, look, just love me, and when you get to heaven, we'll figure the rest of it all out with these knuckleheads sitting next to you, right? I understand. Sometimes God says, I know, they're hard to love. Now, why doesn't he let go of this? I think there's two or three reasons. One is image. Imago Dei, we were created in the image of God. God created the person sitting next to you, every Christian in here, he created them in his image. And if we're created in his image, if we don't love our brother and sister, we're insulting him. We're insulting his image. Number two, I think the cross, right? God loved us so much, Jesus loved us so much that he died on a cross. He paid a high price for us to be sitting next to each other this morning, and so don't take that for granted. And third of all, we're his kids. We are God's kids. Hey, love me, love my kids, right? Love me, love my spouse. I mean, you know, we're a package deal. We're the family. How would you like it if I did this, if I came out and we were talking, I'm really friendly with you, I'm so glad you're in this church, and I really like you. Uh, my friend Albert is sitting out here, I love Albert, and we're, we're buddies, and he's must, he, he does better in the gym than I ever would, but you know, if I told Albert, hey, I, but you're my friend, and I love you, I really care, about, I'm nice to him, but then he finds out I'm being mean to his wife and kids. What if, what if I, I said I like you, and I'm trying to be friendly with you, but then I'm rude to your children? I actually hate them and I do them wrong. Are you gonna feel like you're loved? Yeah, I I love you. Nah, your kid, he drives me nuts, but I like you. No, 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 you can't do that. So that's why we're to love. Number two, love sends, serves, and sacrifices. 
Love sends, serves, and sacrifices. And you've heard this a hundred times. Love is an action verb. Love is not just something you say. Love is something you prove in a holy way, a righteous way. Love is something you do. God could have just sent this book down to us and, and it, it could say on every page, I love you, I love you. That's great. As the old preachers say, he could, he could write it across the sky in the clouds or the night sky, I love you. That would be great. But God just didn't say he loved us. He did something. He went into action. He sent, he served, and he sacrificed. He loved us first and proved it by sending his son to save the world. Interesting little doctrinal note here. John takes time to mention the Trinity. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, the Trinity, that's something that the church folks made up like three or 400 years later. No, they were understanding the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here in, in John's day, just 60 years past the life of Jesus. I mean, they understood it. He talks about the Trinity. He talks about the Father and the Son in verses 9 and 14, and he talks about the Spirit in verse 13. And this little section almost sounds like John, uh, John 3.16 because John wrote both. And he says that the revelation of love was Jesus. There was a revolution of love that turned into a revelation of love, which was Jesus coming down in the flesh, God, and he died on the cross for us. And notice here in the passage what he says. He says that God sent his one and only son. In John 3.16, the good King James word there that starts with a B, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There, we got some King James in here, right? Begotten son. And that confuses people a little bit. Well, does that mean that the father begot the son? Did the father give birth to the son? Did he create Jesus? No. The Greek word does not mean to originate. The father did not originate the son but he prioritized the son. Jesus is God, amen? And we believe that, but he's the first son. We are sons and daughters, but we came later. Jesus is the first son, and he's the son of the first blessing, and he's the priority. So that's what it means when you read the, the, the one and only son. Number two, it says he came to the world. He came to the world, and he loved the world, John tells us in his books, and he died he gave his life up for the world. And I know, Bible students, those, we argue those things sometimes because there's a couple passages where you may read, well, it sounds like he only died for the elect. But you've got to read not just one piece of Scripture. You don't read just one text, right? A text out of context uh, is a pretext or a mistext. So we have to have text with text with text with text. Read it all. And as we read it all, we understand uh, we understand here that God loved the whole world and Jesus died on the cross for everybody, for everybody. Whoever wants to come to me may come to me. And there are passages that it says that he did die for the elect, and that's true. That's, that's you and I. And I, I like the old phrase, I can't wrap my brain around it, but I, I like the old phrase that Jesus' blood on the cross, we don't picture Jesus on the cross worrying if he's got enough blood to cover you if you get saved. Well, I've got enough blood for these people, but how many, you know. Folks, it was the blood of God. It could save the universe. God's love and his blood is powerful. So he wasn't rationing his blood on the cross just for a few. No, but the old phrase says this, 
God's blood, Jesus' blood, was sufficient for the whole world. But it was efficient for those of us who have accepted him. Does that make sense? So his blood is sufficient for everyone, but it's efficient for those of us who have called on his name and we've put our faith into him for salvation. The point is this. If you're listening today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's room at the cross for you. And there's enough blood to wash away your sins. Number, uh, the third thing there we say is, see, is that he is the Savior. He sent his son to be the Savior. He sent his son to be the Savior. What does it mean to be a Savior? Well, again, he uses the phrase here, atoning sacrifice. Today, uh, even in some evangelical circles, it's kicked up and people are going, well, what was, what was the, the crucifixion all about? Why did Jesus have to die? And there's some different views out there that might tie to a verse here or there. Some people say, well, he was just a victorious example, right? He was showing that you can be victorious against the devil and the world, the flesh, the devil. And, and he was being a moral example. Um, he was uh, teaching through his life. It was a picture of good versus evil. Uh, sometimes we read a verse that says that he gave his life a ransom. And we say, well, he was ransoming us from the devil because we had sold our souls to the devil and the devil owned us. And God, the father's going, oh, what am I going to do? I hope I have enough money to buy them back from, from the devil, that mean old devil. Folks, our God is, is infinitely bigger than the devil. Amen? He's more powerful than the devil. Don't worry about the devil. It does use the word ransom in other passages. God was paying a ransom to himself. This is what blows our mind. God was dying on the cross and sacrificing his life to satisfy the holiness and judgment of God. And I know, don't, don't go there. Why didn't he just say, I'm not going to do it? I don't know. Do you know? Come up and explain it to me later. I do appreciate a Jesus who's tasted suffering and death for us. Don't you? Some of you have tasted some suffering and some death in your life. But that's what it's about. Number three, we love what we see to love what we can't see. We love what we see to love what we can't see. When I was uh, uh, getting ready to marry my wife uh, there in 1986, um, I asked her to, to marry me. Um, and uh, I was loving her for what I had seen. I had not seen her and us 34 years into marriage where we are right now. By the way, it worked out pretty good. Uh, I lost the Sony. I wish I hadn't thrown the Sony Walkman away. I wish I would have kept it. Why did I throw that away? But uh, it turned out pretty good. But, but sitting there on the rocks that day, watching the waves at La Jolla, I couldn't have known what was coming. I couldn't see the future, but I loved what was there in front of me, this, this beautiful woman. Well, we, we can't see God. We've not seen him physically, the Bible says. No man has seen God at any time. We see, uh, they, they would see clouds and smoke. They would see a lot of things. They'd hear voices, but they, no one had seen God. And what John is saying here is, look, you can't see God, but here's what you can see. You can see his image. You can see his family. So love that. Now, John actually says something interesting, which is true. John's testimony is, we have seen him. What did he mean? He means, we, I have seen Jesus. The people writing at this time, and this is pretty cool, that only 60 years after the physical life of Jesus on this earth, John, as an old man, says, look, I testify. I'm a witness. I saw him. We saw him. 
He was real, and so he's testifying that we, did, that we, these people, saw him. Now, we haven't seen God, but we have seen Jesus, not physically, but we've seen Jesus through John's writings and through the, the witnesses. And, of course, we see him at work in our lives, but none of us have seen physically God on his throne, but we have seen each other. We saw each other in the parking lot. We saw each other at work this week. We saw each other online. We saw each other on social media. We saw each other in the house last night. And we're seeing each other here now. The point is, we're around the family of God. We're surrounded by God. And so, we love each other who we can see and we can act and react to. And the father is watching how the kids are getting along because that proves to him how much we actually love him. And it's, it's good here to be encouraged because he uses the little phrase, grows, grows. His love grows and is completed. I won't have you raise your hands, but, you know, how does your love tank feel today? You know, I don't have much love. Well, your love should be growing. Maybe you've had a hard week. Maybe there's been some fights and, and disagreements, but your love should grow. If you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and your love's not growing, there's a problem, isn't there? Talk to somebody about it. Let's pray about it. Come talk with us. And more, most importantly, check to make sure that you're actually a Christian. Because our love as Christians should grow. It should be getting stronger because we learn more about Him. We study more, and we get to meet more of each other. Number four, live in God because He lives in you. Live in God because He lives in you. When we love, we have the Spirit, God lives in us, and we live in Him. This is almost like the, you know, the Celtic knot there. It's like, He's in us, and we're in Him, and He's in each other, and, you know, the Father's in the Son, and the Son's in the Father. And it kind of puts us in mind of John 17. Do you remember that, that last kind of high priestly prayer of Jesus as they were walking? It was the month of April. And he's leading the disciples, and they're coming out of the upper city there from the room of the Last Supper, and they're down in the Kidron Valley, and they're walking up to the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of you have been there. And remember, as he starts praying in John 17, he starts praying almost this knot, this Trinity knot. He goes, Father, I'm in you, and you're in me, and I'm sending them the Spirit. I want them to love each other, and then they will be with us, in us, and we will be in them. It's this just united little knot of love and, and intimacy and strength that God loves you and God loves, uh, we love him and we are to love each other. What's the proof that we have God? What is the proof? Well, one of the proofs is that his spirit lives in us. We understand from Ephesians and other passages that when you pray and accept Jesus Christ as your savior, and some of you may do that today, right now, the Holy Spirit comes into you right away, right away. He moves in immediately. You don't get part of him. You get all of the Holy Spirit. The old saying goes, the, the rest of your Christian life is, does he get all of you? Uh, you got all of the Holy Spirit, but are you allowing him to have control in every area of your life? And so we have the Holy Spirit. And Paul and Peter and others write about it in the, re the rest of the New Testament. How do I know if, the Holy, if I have the Holy Spirit? Well, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. You're going to have those things in your life. If not, let's talk about it. 
And those, how do we know we're in him? Is if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We confess with our mouths. We call on the name of the Lord. Salvation, coming to God, is not a feeling. It's not just, well, I'm kind of doing better. It is a point in time where we are birthed into God's family. We actually confess, I am a sinner. You are God. You are good. I am not. Jesus died on a cross. Lord, save me, right? And do the words matter? No, they're not magic words, but the heart, this is what we are to be calling out for. Some of you, you all prayed in different ways maybe when you prayed. There's not one magic prayer today. You know, well, if I go down the center aisle and pray in the middle, that'll, oh, Jonathan's not here. I got to wait till he comes because he'll say the holy prayer. There's not a holy prayer, right? But we have to confess and ask Jesus to be our Savior. If you've never confessed and called on the name of Jesus for salvation, here's the deal not judging you. You're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. And you can't love each other, and you won't be able to love God until you become a Christian. And come and let's talk about that today. He says here, you can know things, but not believe them. You can know things, but not believe. And yes, know here is gnosko. It's that kind of more intimate knowledge. But he, John makes sure it's not just knowing. Remember the whole teaching about the Gnostics. It's not just knowing truth. I've been around a a school for most of my life. There are a lot of educated people who knew a lot about this, and I can tell you, I can point you to students that I had, sadly, that knew more about this book than I did, and they left here with their hearts empty because they knew him, but they never what? Believed in him. Are you believing what you are reading? If you live in If you live in love, God lives in you and you in him. Number five, completed love gives confidence. Completed love gives confidence. Remember I told you that love is growing up. Love should be growing up in your marriage. Love should be growing up with your children. Love should be growing in the house. There's times it'll be a little plateau. Some days you wake up and it's a little rainy out. but, But it should be growing Love should be growing in this church, in your life group, in our ministries around here. Love grows. And as it grows, it does a couple things. It's going to grow up into maturity, but completed love gives confidence. He says, you can be confident with the love of God. Why? Because love doesn't fear. How do you know if you have God's love in you? You're not afraid all the time. Can you get afraid sometimes? Sure, we're in the flesh. But if you're living in constant fear and constant judgment and constant feeling of punishment, that's not God's love. That comes from the devil. Remember this, the devil accuses you, the spirit convicts you. If you have a feeling right now that I just feel I'm so bad and I'm so bad and I've done bad things, and maybe you have, and maybe you are. But here's the difference, if it's from the devil, you will continue to feel that way, and you, here's what you'll feel. I've done so many bad things, and I can't fix it, and there's no hope. That's coming from the devil. If you feel, I'm so bad, I've done so many bad things, and I just, I want to come to God. That's the Holy Spirit. You see the difference? The Spirit always tells you, hey, I'll show you the exit door. There's a lifeline. There's a life preserver. I'll help you out. And so that's what he does. Fear judgment. No, love pushes that out. 
I know we, we get afraid sometimes. Some of you have been really hurt in this room by other people. You have, uh, uh, somebody has, has left the marriage, or they cheated on you, or they divorced, or your, your kids run away, or your parents have disowned you, or you're mistreated at work, or somebody even in a church. People will let each other down, right? You know, has anybody in here ever been let down by human beings? Everybody's hand is, you know, would be up. I'm not saying, you don't, you don't have to be afraid of that though, but when you know that you have a heavenly father who loves you deeply, who's wrapped you up in his love, if you've confessed your sins to him and you've called on Jesus for, to be your savior, the Holy Spirit is living in you. Jesus loves you. The father's watching out for you. You can walk through the rest of this week, not in fear. Oh, I'm so bad. I need to be punished. Not in fear. What's going to happen next? You can walk in confidence and love. And you need to take that step today. Number six, I like this one. Haters don't love, lovers don't lie. Let's put a country song to that. (laughs) Haters don't love and lovers don't lie. That's what John says. He says that if you hate your brother or sister and you say you love God, here's what John says. He doesn't tippy-toe. You're a liar. You're lying. No, 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 but I love God. But you know, my ex or my family member or this person in the church, da, 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 they say they're a Christian, but if you hate people online, on Facebook, social media, and they claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a Christian. If you hate people and you say, but I love God, John says, you're a liar. You're a liar. And what it means is this, is a bit, hate comes from the heart. Man, we've seen horrible things again. There's You see all these murders going around our country? Sad, tragic things. Murders in Japan and all around the world. Just murders and war and killing. And we rightly so, we we debate and, you know, people argue about, well, it's about guns or it's mental health or, you know, it's bad government or it's, it's political extremists or it's social media. And those are all important issues that we should attend to. But they're not the heart of the issue, are they? Those things aren't why people kill each other. We already read it in John. What did John say? Remember Cain and Abel? The first murder, the third human in history, Cain, walked out to an empty field and murdered the fourth human in history, his brother Abel. One gun sitting around. As far as we know, it wasn't mental health breakdown or mental illness. There was no social media. There were no political agendas and extremists and people screaming. It was one human walking to an empty field with another human. And because he had hate and jealousy and anger in his heart and selfishness, he took his hands and he murdered his brother. Here's what we got to learn. We can fix all the other stuff and we should. But the heart is the weapon, right? The heart is the weapon, folks. The heart is the weapon. Hate is in the heart. And until the heart changes, it's not going to change. So, who do you love or who don't you love? Can I ask you, don't, don't say their name out loud, but what Christian, what Christian do you hate today? What Christian? You say, wait a minute, I don't, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate people. No, but are there people that you are not loving? God wants us to love one another Uh, You can't love people, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. John says we need to guard the love. Why do we need to guard the love? Because remember, John is writing in Ephesus, and in just a few years, he's sending this letter out, and he's going to write another letter 
to seven churches from Jesus, and one of the churches included will be the Ephesians. And what does Jesus say to the Ephesians? He says, you got a good church. He says, you got good teaching. He says, you've got, um, you've got good teaching and you've got good works. He said, but here's the problem. You've lost your first, your first love, your first love. And so church today, we need to love one another. I don't have time right now, but, but in your notes, I've listed 23 one another's. There's all kinds of scriptures there that talk about how to love one another. It's in your notes, so make sure you look them up. Because we can't just say, well, okay, I'll try better. We have to really fix it. We have to help each other. We have to love one another. I know it's hard. I know there's times people are gonna cut you off or run over your toe or hurt you. But if we are brothers and sisters, there's a dark and dying world out there, and they need to look in here and know that we love one another. Do you agree? And so let's pray for each other in that, in that mode. And I want you to read these verses this week. I want you to read through the one another's of Scripture and see what God has for you. Uh, but I want us to all stand right now as we end our service. I want us to, to stand up. And I want our prayer counselors to come down forward here. So our pastors and prayer counselors would be down here. And as we leave today, we're not going to leave by singing. But one of the things that James says in one of the, the next books, he says that we need to pray and confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. One of the actions, the, one of the ways that we can love each other is to pray for each other. And so uh, today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never accepted him, you need to come and talk with one of us today. You need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is, is your Savior, is Lord. And you need to accept him today. But for the rest of us, I want to send us out with prayer today. If you need to come and pray down here or pray with someone, you can. But the word said to pray together. And we need to obey that. So if you're a visitor, don't freak out. If you don't like to pray with people, you can just stand there. And that's, that's fine. If you want to pray silently, nobody's going to bother you. But for the rest of us, I would just like us to turn to a couple people around us. And would one of you just pray? Pray this passage, Lord. We love you. Help this church. Help us to be known for loving one another. If it's your family, you may want to pray a prayer over your family, or pray over your life group or one of your friends. But that's how we're leaving today. When you're done praying, you can leave. If you need to talk with people, right out here and down here. But let's go to prayer and let's be a church that loves God, yes, but proves it by loving one another. Go ahead and go to prayer. Pray with each other. When you're done, you can leave. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a Savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life, just ask Him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about that and what God has done in the giving of His Son, Jesus, we'd love to chat with you. I would encourage you to email us at the address listed on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you and help you begin this brand new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with this amazing message of God's love.